Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week, we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. Well, we've made it to week 14, and that's so crazy to think about. We should not be here on the 14th week of this podcast. This year's already just flying by. And speaking about week 14, though, this is an apologetics week. For any new listeners, what does that mean? Apologetics is simply learning to defend the Bible and tackle difficult questions or problems we may have had when we come to the Bible. It can be done through various methods, like examining what the scriptures say, looking at historical and archaeological evidence, or even using philosophical and logical reasoning to think about the things of God. And there are so many ways to do this. The thing is, though, we must do so in a biblical manner. We must examine what the Bible says. And if something contradicts it, then we must not have any part of that. We must get our understanding of God right. You see, God wants to be worshipped and acknowledged in the right ways. That is a whole other topic that we could be discussing. But that is something that we should wait to break break down and, and to study. But this week, I have something else we need to break down and understand this week. I will tell you that today's study will most likely uh, make some people uncomfortable. Some people will not like what I have to say. It might even cost me listeners. But listen, I don't do this for listens or downloads or whatever else. Whether I have two people or 250 people or even 250 million people, I do this podcast for the glory of God. What men think of me, I could frankly care less. I hope always to speak God's truth to people, so that the first thing I hear from the Lord when entering into His kingdom is, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And if that means I must suffer here on earth for what I have said, then so be it. I will remember that the light has come into the world, and the darkness can never overcome it. That said, I will tell you that in today's episode, we will be discussing homosexuality. This is something that has such wide-ranging discussions when it comes to the Bible. There are different views on this topic, even within the Christian community. Other people have different ways of handling this topic, ranging from embracing the idea of gay Christians to total condemnation of homosexuality. And even within those ideas, there are other approaches on how to go about discussing the Bible with those who have fallen into the sin of homosexuality. Perhaps this is something that we could dive into in the future. But this week, I want to tackle something that I've heard recently. And I wanted to address this claim. It is a claim gaining some traction in recent years, but it's not as prevalent, prevalent, however you say the word, (laughs) uh, in the mainstream discourse. At least, not yet. I feel that we will see it in our culture more and more. Again, like I said, it's gaining traction. So I wanted to take the time and the opportunity to address it directly so that you and I, Bible-believing Christians, will know how to handle this claim that can be made oftentimes by ignorant people who are just citing TikTok videos they saw that make them sound knowledgeable. The claim that we're going to be addressing is that homosexuality did not appear in the Bible before the 1946 translation 
of the Revised Standard Version. People have argued that this is because of the of the 1946 translation of 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that has led Christians to mistreat those who identify as members of the LGBTQ community. Is this true? Did the 1946 RSV Bible translators mistranslate the word, leading to the error? Well, let's find out. But first, and most importantly, let's have a moment's word of prayer. So if you'll pray with me. Father in heaven, we seek to glorify you this day. We seek to know what your word has to say for us because it is an important truth that we need to know, Lord God. All of your scripture is inspired by you and has something for us. Please let us, our hearts be open to you and our minds be receptive of what it is you want to be said today. We thank you from rescuing us from death and sin, saving our eyes from tears and our feet from stumbling. We just seek to glorify you in all that we do. And we just ask for your guidance this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. The Bible verse in question here is only 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We could examine other Bible verses, but for the sake of time and simplicity, let's look at what those who support this position argue in favor of. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 from a couple of different translations, shall we? By doing this, we can see what various Bible translations say. Besides, what if homosexuality isn't even the word used in the translations anymore? And if the word is not in, used in Bible translations anymore, then what is the big deal, right? So we're going to read from two translations. The 1611 translation, King James Version of the Bible and the ESV or English Standard Version. Why these two versions? Well, the 1611 translation is, for all intents and purposes, the first English translation of the Bible for widespread publication to the people. There is a deep history there, as there is with all things, but I think if we spend a significant amount of time today examining this claim, we should start with essentially the first English translation of the Bible to see what it has to say. Then, when it comes to the ESV, or English Standard Version, it's a more modern translation of the text. And it was first published in 2001. Almost 400 years apart, these two show how translations show the exact text more comprehensively to modern readers without changing the content. So let's start with the 1611 Bible. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Okay, and now the ESV translation. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, So the two translations are not that far apart in what they're talking about. The unrighteous will not enter into the kingdom of God. Then the Apostle Paul goes and lists some sexually immoral behaviors 
that will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless they have become washed, sanctified, and justified by the name of Jesus, Christ as they repent. But what we immediately notice from the two texts is the word homosexuality. It does not appear in the 1611 King James Version, but it does appear in the ESV Version. So why is this? What do the original Greek manuscripts say? The Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses is the word arsenokoitai. Paul actually created this word by combining two Greek words, arson meaning men, and koitai means bed. So the word literally means men who bed together. A popular claim made by people who support the argument that homosexuality wasn't in the Bible until 1946 is that the claim is supposed to mean pedophilia, not homosexuality. However, there is nothing that restricts the word solely to pedophilia. The original text describes the behavior of men having sexual intercourse with other men. We can see this action condemned elsewhere in the Bible. But again, the point of this episode is to focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. So we won't dive into those. But as a quick footnote, in the translation of the 1611 Bible, it says abusers of mankind. And as we see in Romans and elsewhere in the Bible, homosexuality is an abuse of what is natural to God's design for mankind. Now the reason why the specific word, homosexuality, is not used in the Bible until 1946 is because, hey, in case you didn't know, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Now that's shocking information, I know. All English words would eventually be added to the Bible because the Bible had to be translated into English at some point. So as the YouTuber Red Pin Logic says, quote, But let's just assume, for the sake of argument, that the word homosexual is a bad English translation. What follows from that? Would that change what the Bible teaches about homosexual sex? No, and here's why. Even if the word never appeared in the Bible, the behavior is still described and prohibited. Just read Leviticus 18.22 or Romans 1.27. In addition, homosexual sex is ruled out by the Bible's consistent teaching on sex and marriage. End quote. Now, for the sake of the episode and of time, this is a good jumping off point for us to look and see what Christian apologists have had to say on this topic. So Scott B. Ray is the Dean and Chair of the Department of Philosophy at Biola University's Talbot School of Theology. In 2014, he was elected President of the Evangelical Theological Society. Ray is an Old Testament scholar, theologian, and professor of Christian ethics with numerous books on Christian morality and ethics. In an article within the Apologetic Study Bible, Ray writes, quote, There is little evidence in the text that Paul intended to limit his teachings to certain kinds of homosexual activity. Rather, Paul's appeal to a universal truth about sexual relations linked to the order of creation see Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4-6, through 6, should prevent us from seeing this passage as limited to certain kinds of homosexual behavior and from seeing Paul as culturally outdated in his teachings. His teaching provides an appropriate context for a judgment on all same-gender sexual relationships. End quote. Now you know that I don't want to keep you forever. I know that many people who listen to this podcast do not have a very long time to listen. 
So I try not to beat you down with so much information, nor do I try to keep you for very long. So as we wrap up today, I hope that you understand that when people try to say that the Bible did not contain homosexuality until 1946, they are wrong and simply do not understand the text. Not only that, but they do not understand that 1 Corinthians is not the only place where this behavior, identity, or whatever it is you want to call it, is condemned within the Bible. It is a sin. It is an abomination in the eyes of God. Now, this is an uncomfortable truth, but it is the truth. And so much more could be said, but it'll have to wait until next time. So until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.